The shadow is not a problem to be solved or an enemy to be conquered, but a fertile field to be cultivated. When we dig our hands into its rich soil, we'll discover the potent seeds of the people we most desire to be. If you're interested in exploring more about what Debbie Ford is saying there, then you've found yourself in the right place. Welcome to the Shadow Work Library. I'm Jessica DePazzi, and for the next at least 63 shows, I'm taking you through the series that covers the spectrum of negative patterns in the human experience. Hey, it's Jessica DePazzi here. I hope you all are having a great day. Uh, Today, we're going to be getting into some exciting stuff. It's our first episode on shadow work. Finally, so today, um, the shadow we're going to be transforming into a strength is reaction. So unless you have an awareness around how this manifests in your life, you're going to be one of these people whose raw emotions rule their lives completely and, and the decisions that shape their lives. In its most basic form, reaction is our coping mechanism to emotionally cut off ourselves from others. Um, and before I get too far into this, I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder that we just launched the trials. This is an amazing 12-week online course designed for intense self-discovery and physical training designed to help you become your own guide because no one owns you, Mary. You need to live that hashtag authentic life. I'm watching a little bit of RuPaul right now. It's also life-changing. <laughs> okay, so back to the shadow stuff. Um, we're talking about reaction And I wanted to start off by talking a little bit about where it comes from. Originally, the shadow archetype in us gives us or gave us the ability to kill, whether it was animals or each other for survival. Prior to our um, agrarian days, agrarian days, um, prior to our totalitarian totalitarian farming days, these are big words, the most efficient way to fuel ourselves um, and survive was through hunting whatever animal was nearby, realistically. Um, and as far as that shadow giving us the ability to kill each other, anthropologists who study warfare, they do kind of disagree around how much war there was originally, how far back it goes, why it happened. And so it's a little unsure to me if killing is the result of human nature or uh, an involved impulse to kind of separate ourselves from other groups. But either way... We know that 90% of known cultures have made war and many of them quite frequently and quite brutally. And even among some cultures, it's not rare for a quarter of adult men to end their lives in combat. So it's a big part of our history and naturally our history um, continues to repeat itself. So we see this archetype show up in our lives a little differently today. As we've settled into this more secure, safe and cordial time, at least in the Western world, we're not running around murdering people. War is at a historical low and it is very separated from where we are, which adds some some like desensitivities. It desensitizes it. (laughs) Um, And most of us won't ever kill a live animal to survive. So the shadow in us has evolved a little bit, um, but only so far. So let's talk about this. The, The more tribal the community, the greater is the fear that the individuals in that community Um, the greater is their fear about their own safety. And by tribal, I'm talking about a community that's fairly self-sustaining and they're threatened by other gene pools. So the more tribal your mentality and where you live, the easier it is to detach from others so you can see that at its darkest level, this shadow of reaction gives us humans the tendency to view other people as like outsiders and even inhuman at times so that we can kill them. 
Some of the world today has developed beyond this tribal mentality through, you know, the internet, the information age, globalization, the ability to uh, travel to foreign lands in a weekend, you know, the things that make the world seem a little bit smaller. But actually, most of the world is still living with this tribal mindset. A good example is this conflict in the Middle East. This is a clash between newly emerging global consciousness and old traditional ways. And I might add, there are definitely insensitivities on both sides of that fence. And really, that's where you can see more clearly where this shadow of reaction is the root cause of all of this. Reaction is responsible for many of our oldest spiritual beliefs and customs because it's out of our ability to kill other people that our most basic need for religion and rules around spirituality has arisen. You know, we needed to create rules that told us who not to kill and who was okay to kill. And I won't actually argue that it wasn't God or universal law that created these rules for us, or if it was a human creation, that's not really the conversation here. All I'm getting at is at its source, reaction is this ancient reflex that we are still flexing today. Even uh, our heads of government are having emotional reactions to what's going on. And it comes from this one-sided subjective belief founded on the assumption of what is good and what is evil. So a way that we can recognize this shadow in our own lives, sort of detaching ourselves from war and some of the more tribal mindsets, is that Every reaction that you have in your life is reacting to something else. It needs a partner. Um, This is your knee-jerk response to an overstimulus. So the easiest place to see reaction coming up in your life is in your most intimate relationship. This pattern is actually built into the complexity of what a relationship is. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any fire to ignite that passion. And the fuel in this case for reaction is rejection. I'm sure you can think of a time where you regressed and acted out because you felt the onset of rejection in a fight you're having with your partner. You know, you felt this sense of intolerance boiling up in you for this person that's so different from you, sees things from a completely different perspective. You felt like he or she was one of the others, right? And you went into this maybe nasty place where either expressively, outwardly, or in your head, you were doing anything to perpetuate the war that was happening in your house. That's a more common version of reaction. You can also see this in your relationships with your family, um, your local community, your God even. Um, One of the greatest deep down fears in relation to rejection is that fear of being severed from unity, being that outsider and cast away that needs to fend for, for yourself. Again, this is less logically relevant today, but that wiring is still in us and it's still super real. So when there's conflict or you feel rejected, there's a sense of intolerance that, again, boils up in you and you start to put them on the opposing team. And that's where you start to generate this feeling of like, it's me against the world. And as I had mentioned on the last episode on uh, shame or blame, there's this two-pole spectrum in which reaction can really show up for us. On the blame side of that spectrum, and remember, this is the more extroverted or outward expression of your fear, you reject before you feel rejection. You push other people away as soon as you get the sense that they're really getting to know you or they're getting too close. This is that classic story of that person who self-sabotages a relationship that's actually getting real um, just because there's this risk of being hurt in the future. And of course, the sad truth about this pattern and people who, who manifest this pattern in a more reactive sense is that they're lonely. And sometimes they even convince themselves that they want to be alone. But Um, They never really feel any true fulfillment because 
they long to be in a committed relationship. A uh, perceptively ideal relationship for people who resonate with this more outward expression of of reaction is to have, uh, like to be in a long distance relationship or to be in a military relationship or to be like a flight attendant. There's little communication that really happens with your uh, with your partner and that's how they can keep this reaction pattern going in their life and still be in a relationship. But I'm sure you can see the issue with that. On the shame side of the spectrum, and remember this is the more introverted expression of your fear, um, we're looking at being inert. So this form of reaction is from the outside having absolutely no reaction. This person shuts down his or her emotional centers for the fear of, again, being rejected. So if I shut down and feel nothing and dampen my emotions, I won't actually feel the pain that I think is coming. So these people can look on the outside super stable, like nothing can phase them um, because we applaud people who don't react, but they're living a fake harmony. They're not expressing vulnerability. They don't have any depth in their friendships or their relationships. And they can eventually fall into the state of depression because without relationships, someone to experience life with, that's friends, neighbors, coworkers, anyone, and a more vulnerable level, existence can feel less important. So what do we do about it? We need to learn to honor our shadows. And yes, I realize that that sounds like a bunch of hippy-dippy bullshit. So let's get left brainy for a little bit. The first law of thermodynamics says that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can only be transferred or changed from one form to another. With this shadow energy, with all these shadows that we're going to be talking about, we can't just turn it off, but we can change its form. So if in its lower state, it wants you to kill, then we can use that same destructive method and direct it towards things that could more positively be eliminated, like the thought pattern that you've identified with, which makes you see your own people or yourself as good and other other people as bad or like the antagonist in your story. You can do this with um, awareness, self-education, and all of this with the goal to eventually naturally seek to understand before being understood. So this gives you, when you naturally seek to understand someone before wanting them to understand you, it gives you a longer pause between your trigger moment and your reaction so you can consider how you want to play out your next steps instead of just like flying into them headfirst. Jennifer Russell and Brian Franklin created this amazing practice to help with this called the Consideration Exchange. I would just read from the book since it's very well put, um, but it's pretty long. So what I'm going to do instead is just try to summarize this, and then I'm going to put together a web page. I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to put that web page. Oh, I'll put it in the show notes. That's what I'll do. Um, I'll put all of this in the show notes for you, and you'll be able to check this out on your own. But basically, um, what you're supposed to do is choose a topic. This is something that is emotionally charging you, that you are reacting to, whether that's something that you see in the news, something that you experience with your partner, just a belief that you have that just sets you off or shuts you down, kind of depending on your coping style. And after you have that, consider a contradiction. So how can the thing that you believe, how could it be the opposite, right? So let's say that you are um, really frustrated with with Walmart um, you know, shutting down or Amazon shutting down all of these mom and pop sh- stores and it really sets you off or you completely shut down. You're like, I don't care about anything. Um, 
the contradiction would be how is Walmart creating a better future for for local communities? And then you're supposed to drop all preconceived notions. So this is really the most challenging part of the consideration process. Um, it's your duty to then drop all your preferences and beliefs and try to list out all of the reasons why this contradiction is also true. And in this process, you're allowing new thoughts and ideas to come in. And it might, again, have a lot of other things boil up, but you just need to observe those boil ups, put them to the side and just commit yourself to thinking, how is the opposite thing of what I believe to be true also true? And then by completing this consideration, what you can do is then realize that you have this whole new world of understanding about your topic, and then you can decide if you want to continue on with that opinion or not. And more often than not, this thing that you're reacting to has less of an impact emotionally on you, while you may logically um, choose to still believe in your first thought strongly, you don't have this, this intolerance for another opinion because you've also personally considered that opinion. So again, I will put the full exercise in the show notes because it's great how they worded it. So now let's talk about how this shadow can become a strength. People who really resonate with the shadow state and have done the work of reintegrating it into their lives in a healthy way have this amazing ability to see beyond their cultural limitations and they can kill off these old perspectives that are based on fear and territory that they inherited from, let's say their parents or even just like you know, the books and the language that they speak. They also see when certain aspects of the past may be kept intact and nurtured because in many cases, that's even more important than progress for progress's sake. These people can be like amazing revolutionists because they have practiced seeing things objectively and they've tried to remove themselves from prejudice like that practice that I was just explaining to you. They don't seek reaction anymore. They're not, you know, swimming in this love of wanting to see people freak out, they now seek to resolve conflict and at the same time implement changes and ideas based on this vision that they've started to um, to create in their minds after they've brought in all these new perspectives. They're able to see a lot more and a lot farther and they can anchor their opinions in in goodwill and longevity for all humans and all of nature. And this revolutionary strength, this is even more impactful when these people start at home. So you don't need to start by becoming a socio-political activist. All you need to do is become a role model for your friends and family and coworkers of being this person who improves the world by understanding the world better and then being this agent of peace and awareness and using that fight in them to fight intolerances for the sake that are that just exists for the sake of, you know, others being others. So yeah, this isn't a sit back and observe kind of strength. You need to take this stagnant, mucky energy and redirect it towards causes you really believe will improve your life, your kid's life, and so on and so on. Okay, so there it is. That is our first shadow work submission. And it was, I thought it was pretty fun. <laughs> uh, next time we're going to be talking about the shadow of desire. So if you're feeling like your life is plagued with, with vices and you're burning yourself out a little early or... Um, on the flip side, you're way over serious and you're missing this fire and passion in your life, then this is going to be a good show for you. You're going to learn the origins of desire, how it manifests in your life, uh, what you can do about it, and how you can turn desire into a really unique form of, of strength. So 
Yeah. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about our 12 week self-discovery and elite training course called the trials, visit wayoftrials.com. And if you have any questions about what I talked about today, you can email me at jessica at the special forces experience.com or hit me up on Instagram at jessica depotzi underscore that's D E P A T I E underscore. Have a great week, everybody. And I will see you next time.